Hey, this is Pastor Michael Petit from Calvary Chapel, Divine, Texas. Would really like to thank you for taking time to check out our podcast, our Sunday sermons, and our Wednesday night Bible studies. You can always share this, download it, or even find it on Spotify, Google Podcast, Apple Podcast, SoundCloud, and pretty much wherever you can find a podcast. You can also find out about our church service times. We have our Sunday service at 10 a.m. and our Wednesday night Bible study at 7 p.m. We're located in the Market Media Building, which is actually hashtag Divine Color Wall. It's located at 203 East College Avenue, Sweet C in Divine, Texas. Plus, if you need to get any other information from the church, you can do all of this at our church website at calvarydivine.org. That's calvarydivine.org. Here's Pastor Michael Petit. So the book that we uh, we were talking about, The Yielding to the Work of the Holy Spirit by Pastor Lloyd Pulley, uh, one of the things that first deals with in, in chapter one is it, it talks about the a friend of his that had a, uh, a car that was on the mission field. He had been in, uh, went out to the mission field, and the car that when he got there, the car was given to him. Uh, but when he got the car, um, the car wouldn't start, so it was a clutch. Now, most of the kids in this room or young adults don't even know what a clutch is on a car or a stick shift. You know, uh, I had to, that's the first car I learned to drive on, which is the hardest. Uh, but the thing is, is when the starter's not working, you can go down here and pop that clutch, that car will start up every time. And so this guy did this for four years. Parked it on a hill every time so that way he could get the car started. Well, he's leaving the mission field, and the guy who's coming in to replace him, he tells him, hey, whatever you do, put the car on the hill so that way you, can, you won't get stuck. And the guy goes, you know what? I know a little bit about cars. Pop the hood. So he popped the hood, and he goes, man, you're not connected to the battery the way you should be. And so he tightened that thing up, and the car started right up. For four years, this guy had been popping the clutch, trying to connect to the power, and he was just kick-starting his faith, kick-starting and not connected to the power of the Spirit. And that's what Pastor Lloyd Pulley was asking us. He was like, in your Christian walk, are you, are you trying to pop the clutch on your, uh, on your walk? Are you trying to kick-start your, your walk here, or are you, are you connected to the power, connected to the power of the Holy Spirit? And that's what the first verse we get into in verse 16. It says, but I, I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. So I broke this down into three parts, and we'll look at uh, this as preparing a place for the Holy Spirit. In verse 16, we'll look at walk in the Spirit. In verse 17, uh, the war of the flesh in the Spirit. And then in verse 18, we'll be yielding and being led by the Spirit. One of the things that got me hooked on this book for the men's study was a, a quote from D.L. Moody. And this is what he said about the Holy Spirit. He said, you might as well try to hear without ears, breathe without lungs, as try to live the Christian life without the Spirit of God in your heart. Can't be done. And there's so many people that are trying to do that right now, but the question is, is do you even know who the Holy Spirit is? Because I think that's some confusion in the church is what happens. We tend to think that, uh, I don't know where it started, but man, we tend to think that the Holy Spirit is like the force. Y'all think it's Star Wars or something, man. You're like you're pulling for the resistance or whatever. It's like, no. There's a, a great, great thing on Blue Letter Bible. If you go to Don Stewart, 
And he, he breaks down the Holy Spirit, and this is what he has on it. And, it. and I love what he says. He says, we must establish one basic understanding, the understanding of who he is and what he does. And the Holy Spirit is known by various names, including the Spirit of God, the Spirit of Jesus, the Spirit of Christ, the Spirit of Truth. But Jesus referred to him, to him, him, as another comforter and the helper. In John, 14, uh, John chapter 14, verse 16, it says, And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper to be with you forever. And so the Bible makes it very clear that the Holy Spirit is God. We can, 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 uh, can determine that by looking at it in this way. He's called God. In Genesis chapter 1, verse 2, the earth was without form and void, and the darkness was over the face of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. He is treated on equal basis as God the Father and God the Son. In 2 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 14, it says, The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. He has the characteristics of God. In 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verses 10 and 11, it says, These things has, has uh, revealed to us through the Spirit, for the Spirit searches everything, even the depths of God. For who knows a person's thoughts except the Spirit of that person? which is in him, so also no one comprehends the thoughts of God except the Spirit of God. He also does the work of God. In 2 Peter chapter 1, verses 20 and 21, it says, Knowing this, first of all, that no prophecy of Scripture comes from someone's own interpretation, for no prophecy was ever produced by the will of man, but men spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. So knowing the Holy Spirit is important, plus there's something that Jesus told us about the Holy Spirit. He said in John chapter 16, verse 7, he says, But I tell you the truth, it is for your benefit that I'm going away. Unless I go away, the advocate will not come to you, but if I go, I will send him to you. So why does he say that? Pastor Lloyd Pulley had something in the book, and he said, you know, with the time that Jesus was here on earth, with the amount of people that are here on earth, there are five, over 5 billion plus people here on earth. You would only have maybe a half a second to speak to Jesus. That's it. Before you could get hello out, before you could, it, you're done. What type of relationship would you have? None. And so that's why he sealed us with the Holy Spirit. It says that when you give your life over as a believer or become a follower of Christ, we're sealed with the Holy Spirit. In Ephesians chapter 1 verse 13, it says, in him you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in him, were sealed with the promise of the Holy Spirit, the promised Holy Spirit. So it's been given to you if you're a believer. But are you connected to the power? In Acts chapter 1, it says, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. And that's that dunamis power, that dynamite power is what it's talking about. And the question I ask is, and I ask for our service, if I, if I had a piece of dynamite and I threw it in my living room, would my living room look the same? No. So when you give your life over to Jesus, should you look the same? 
No. There should be changes that happen that God does through the Holy Spirit. And sometimes what we need to do is ask for a fresh one of the Holy Spirit in our lives. Maybe we've gotten stagnant or we've gotten to where we're not walking anymore and we're trying to kickstart the car. And we're not connected to the power. In Luke chapter 11, verses 11 through 13, it says, What father among you, if his sons ask for a fish, will he instead give him a serpent? Or if he asks for an egg, will he give him a scorpion? If then who are, are evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? And the reason why he gives that verse is because it's, it, he's saying, look, what happens to many people is you're so focused on the trinkets of the world, the costume jewelry is another way of looking at trinkets. You're so focused on the things of the world that you don't ask. You don't ask for the Holy Spirit. You don't ask for the yielding. You don't yield to the Spirit or ask for the Spirit's guidance to help you. And Pastor, Pastor Louis would always tell me one thing. He would say, man, Mike, you can have as much God as you want. I think A.W. Tozer was the one who originally said that. You can have as much God as you want. I can take you to my backyard and get the water hose, or I can take you out to the fire hydrant and open that up. Which, how much God do you want? You have the choice of doing one or two things. When you're not connected to the Spirit or not connected to the power of the Spirit, what happens is you're, you, you have a chance. You know, I told First Service, I, I know some people probably like Hamburger Helper. That was something that we ate all the time. I can't stand it. We grew up on it is why. We, we, it was just we ate it all the time. And there was very little hamburger in it is why. It was more helper than it was, the, right? But God is saying, look, I got that, that tomahawk ribeye waiting for you. And you want to eat hamburger helper. That's kind of what he's saying here with that verse. And so in order for us to walk by the Spirit, there's a couple of things we need to understand that the Holy Spirit does for us. The Holy Spirit will give us the ability to boldly speak His Word. To be victorious over bad habits and attitudes that enslave us. To say no to things that are wrong. To choose to be inconvenienced rather than to act selfishly. To admit our shortcomings, failures, and sins. To forgive and ask for forgiveness. To understand and, and obey the Word of God. To pray for the, uh, and care for those in need. To love the unlovable. To encourage instead of criticize. To take responsibility for our actions, even when it's costly to do so. To demonstrate spiritual gifts and bear spiritual fruit in our lives. So if you're walking by the Spirit, are you connected to the power? What causes so many people to, to have a struggle in this area is in, it goes further in, in uh, verse 17. It says, for the desires of the flesh are against the Spirit, and the desires of the Spirit are against the flesh. For those are opposed to each other to keep you from doing the things you want to do. And so your flesh is constantly at war with the Spirit. And uh, whichever one you feed is the one that's going to win. Billy Graham has this great story that he used to tell about a, uh, uh, an Eskimo uh, 
fisherman that used to have these these dogs, and, and he would take them into town, and every week he would let the dogs fight. One white dog, one black dog, and whichever one would win, you know, they would bet on. But every week the Eskimo guy, he won every week. And finally somebody said to him, well, he was like, why are you winning all the bets? He goes, look, I know which one's going to win because the one I feed is the one who's always going to be stronger. So the question you have to ask yourself is, which one are you feeding today? Are you feeding the flesh? Are you feeding the spirit? Because whichever one you feed, that's the one that's going to win. So let's, let's deal with some things in the flesh. Now, I know these are hard to read, and, and I trust me, I read these this week, and, it, and it's, I love Galatians. Um, it's one of my favorite books, that and Ephesians and Colossians, um, because they're, they're more practical of, of a Christian walk, of what we're supposed to do. Um, and, and if we just go down to verse 19 of Galatians 5, you can just stay where you're at in, in 5, and then we'll go down a little bit. So what is the works of the flesh? Now, if, I want to make sure you all understand this. This is God's word, not Mike's. Okay? This is God's word. You know, there's some stuff on this list I had to ask myself this week. From You know, Lord, is there some area that I need to work on for me? It says, now the works of the flesh are evident. Sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, Enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissension, division, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like these. I warn you, as I warned you before, that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. That's the flesh. What are the works of the Spirit? You just go down to verse 22 and it tells us, But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. And those who belong to Christ have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live by the Spirit, let us also keep in step with the Spirit. Again, we're either going to live by the Spirit, we're going to walk in the Spirit, we keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking one another and envying one another. Andrew Murray said this, True revival means nothing less than a revolution. Casting out the spirit of worldliness and selfishness and making God and his love triumph in the heart and the life. It's all about the heart. That's where the battle of the flesh and the spirit happens. In 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 22, it says, And who has also put the seal on us and given us his spirit in our hearts as guaranteed? And in Proverbs chapter 4, verse 24, uh, 23, it says, Keep your heart with all vigilance. Far from it flows the springs of life. And then we see what Jesus said about the heart. He said in Matthew chapter 12, verse 34, it says, You brood of vipers, how can you speak good when, you're, uh, when you are evil? For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. What did Jeremiah the prophet say in Jeremiah chapter 17, verse 9? It says, The heart is deceitfully above all things 
and desperately sick, who can understand it? So what we're talking about here is not the physical heart, where the, the blood pumps through, but we're talking about the heart being the center of your life. That's where our will and emotions sit. And it's also the place within us that drives our outer life. The scripture attributes and understands uh, the thoughts, emotions, the judgments, the motives and desires and affections to the heart, and that's where the Holy Spirit wants to take residence, in that area. And so Ephesians chapter 3, verse 17 says, So that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you being rooted and grounded in love. So is the Holy Spirit taking up residence in your heart? You know, uh, Rick shared something with me. We were talking about uh, Hezekiah and when he had to clean the temple back in Second Chronicles 29. Uh, and, and also, I mean, just talking about the Holy of Holies, you know, we know in 1 Kings chapter 8, verse 11, it says uh, that so that the priest could not stand and minister because of the cloud uh, for the glory of the Lord filled the house of the Lord. So it took up every space. There wasn't anything that the Lord didn't use. Um, but Hezekiah, he said when they had the temple, um, Israel had fell, uh, fallen away. And Hezekiah wanted them to come back to a right relationship with, with uh, God. But the, the temple was full of debris. It took them eight days to clean that out. That's how much stuff was in there. And we know Hezekiah, he, was, uh, he, he did right, right by what was uh, right in the eyes of the Lord in Second Chronicles 29.2. And he did according to all that David, his father, had done. He was a good king. One of the things in, in 2 Chronicles 29.3, it says, In the first year of his reign, in the first month, he opened the doors of the house of the Lord and repaired them. So they couldn't even get into the house of the Lord. That's how bad it was. That's how far away from God they fell. And so they, they, they allowed this to happen, and, and what they did is they didn't yield control of their life to God. They decided to start doing things on their own without the Lord. And we know in the song that Miss Deb just sung and that the veil was torn. And in Matthew twenty seven, fifty one it says, And behold the curtain and of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom, and the earth shook and the rocks were split. So where does the uh, where is the temple now? Tabernacle's gone, the temple's gone, where's the temple? 1 Corinthians chapter six, verses nineteen through twenty says this that uh, or do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit within you? Whom you have from God, you are not your own, for you are bought with a price, so glorify God in your body. Are you glorifying God with your body, with your, your actions, with the way that you're doing things? Or does your home need repair? Is your temple full of stuff that it needs to be emptied out of? Or maybe the light's starting to grow dim in that, and it needs to be looked at. You know, it's uh, one of the things that I really like that Pastor Lloyd Pulley said. He says, neglect occurs when we simply do nothing long enough. We just don't do anything. 
Think about your garages. Right? You can't even, how many of y'all can walk in your garages right now? Or do you have a room in the house where you, it was just a little bit of stuff, but now it's full. And you're like, I don't even know how I got to this point. The church had it right here, right on the side of the stage. You couldn't even walk out that door at one point. And it didn't happen overnight. It took, it took months for it to get that way. And so neglect occurs when we simply do nothing long enough. And so a lot of times what happens is we get overwhelmed or we feel hopelessly like this can't be fixed. And it can be. Because God can. And, and in Second Chronicles, uh, as we go further on in 29, when we get to, uh, to verse 5, and he said uh, to them, Hear me, Levites, now consecrate yourselves and consecrate the house of the Lord, the God of your fathers, and carry out the filth from the holy place. Do you have filth in your temple? Does it need a cleansing? There are some areas maybe where this is some stuff over here I haven't allowed God to get to. I'll get to it later. I'll let him deal with that later. See, God doesn't want a piece of you. He wants all of you. And, and you know, we tend to think that, that we can hide things from God. We can't. It tells us in Numbers 32, verse 23, it says, Be sure your sin will find you out. God will pull that stuff out. He'll bring it to light. And so whether you have clutter, and I, I know sometimes we always deal with the, the big things. Maybe it's a dependency on pornography, or maybe you've, you've fallen back into an alcoholic uh, tendency or doing drugs. And you think, oh, it's, it's not hurting anybody. Man, your sin, I heard it explained one way. It's just like when you go to the lake and you have a big rock and you drop the rock in the water, what happens? All the waves go. And that's what sin does. It doesn't just impact you. It impacts your, your spouse. It impacts your family. It impacts your friends. It impacts the church. Maybe your life is full of those acceptable sins. Pride, arrogance, self-righteousness. You mask them well around others, but your heart and motives are in the wrong place. Perhaps maybe it's angry, uh, being angry. You got bitterness or resentment. Maybe you have an unforgiving attitude. Maybe it's greed or covetousness. Those things tend to, to creep up on us unnoticed. It tells us in Matthew chapter 6, verse 21, where your treasure is, there your heart will also. There, uh, there your heart will be also. And so you didn't mean for your, your, your temple to get neglected. You didn't mean for, uh, for these areas to, to, be, uh, uh, to be filled with this stuff. But what do you do? You got a clean house. You got to remove it. It's that simple. And there's a, there's a couple of questions we can ask ourselves every day, or, or at least periodically we should ask ourselves. The first one being, what is on your heart? 
Our hearts are now the Lord's home. So is Jesus on your heart? Is he the passion of your life? Can you truly say that he's the thing that you long for every day? If something else flashed in front of your face, that's probably the thing you're longing for. And it's not God. We should have a heart for the lost. It should break our hearts to think that uh, there were teachers or, or kids that went to school on Friday that are, are never coming home. The more we remove God from our lives, the less impact we have on this world. And we have teachers that, that serve not only teachers that are teachers here in this school, but your kids are going through things that you can never imagine. If they don't have godly parents to guide them in these troubled waters, you're so focused on you and your selfishness, it's like you need to wake up to that. You're, when, when, when the Holy Spirit has control of our lives, he, He's what's on our hearts. And it overflows out of us into our marriages and into our families and then into the church and the community. But we've lost that impact and we need to get it back. But it starts with you. With you. What's on your lips? Luke, uh, Luke chapter 19, verse 46 says, My house shall be a house of prayer, but you have made it a den of robbers. Prayer ought to be your greatest joy, your greatest privilege, your greatest work, and the greatest priority you have in your life. If he is ruling your heart, he should be found on your lips. A person of prayer is undoubtedly a, a, a powerful person. Because they're yielding to the Holy Spirit. They're allowing their life to be filled with words of prayer. And look, we can pass out all the cards that we want for events. Without prayer, they're nothing. VBS, we can, man, let's, let's advertise on K-Love. Let's do all this. Without prayer, it's nothing. We have to become a church that's, that prayer is priority. You want to come to the smallest uh, Bible study or the smallest, it's not, it's not worship practice, it's not VBS practice. Come to a prayer night. On a, we do it the first Sunday of every, of every uh, month. That's the smallest meeting time. And I heard another pastor talk about it. He said, man, you want to come to the, the, the and, and he's in a major church with over, with over 8,000 people. He goes, man, I can fit them all, all 12 of them in one room. Prayer night. We need to start to get back to prayer. Praying for your kids before they go to school. Praying for the teachers that are over them. Praying for protection. We need to get back to that. What's on display in, in, in your life? If he is on display in your life, you're gonna, it should display for others to see. The demonstration is, is our life demonstrates the power of God. Are you overcoming sin? Are you growing in the Lord? 
While it's true that most Christians come to the Lord because of the influence of another believer, it's also true that many Christians reject Christianity because of believers. Because they go, man, that's not a Christian. That dude's out drinking. That dude curses more than I do. 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verses 1 through 3, and this is a great verse on the flesh. It says, But I, brothers, could not address you as spiritual people, but as people of the flesh, as infants in Christ. I fed you with milk, not solid food, for you were not ready uh, for it. And even now you are not ready, for you are still of the flesh. For while there is jealousy and strife among you, you are not of the flesh. Uh, you are... Uh, you are you not of the flesh and behaving only in a human way? So he's saying, look, there's no spirit of God in you. You're acting as if the flesh is here. And at the same time, I can't even feed you solid food. You're still on milk. And that's why you see people that have been walking with the Lord for 5, 6, 10, 15 years, and they haven't grown a bit. They're still on milk. And I keep telling Joe, one day you're going to teach that verse and you're going to have to bring up a kiddie pool because that's basically the same thing. As if I was standing in a kiddie pool, how awkward would that look? But that's what your life as a believer looks like. That's, what it, that's the, 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 the flesh winning and not the spirit. We need to ask, and this is a great pastor that, that spoke on a sermon, said, bend us, O Lord. And, and the, uh, the Welsh meaning for bend is, is to, tire, to entirely submit. To entirely submit. And Evan Robbins, who was in, or Evan Roberts, who was in that service, he heard this, the, the sermon, and he said, bend me, O God, bend me. And he said, man, what is it? When he asked me later what, why it touched me so hard, is this like, he said, man, it's, it's the love of Jesus that bent me. He bent me with his love. I finally understood the depth of sin that night and the glorious provision that Christ had made for me. He willingly yielded himself to live under the influence. Later he wrote this because he said, look, I want to give this advice because this is what God did for me. He goes, the first thing you have to do, confess any known sin. Be honest. Stop hiding it. Stop covering it up. Stop making excuses for it. Bring it to the light. Second, put away any doubtful habit. The moment you uh, start trying to convince yourself it's okay, you've already fallen. You got that? The moment you start trying to convince yourself that that is okay for you to do and you know it's against God, that you're not negotiating with God. You're negotiating with the enemy. It's done. Third, obey the Spirit promptly. Do not let doubts and fears get in the way of being obedient to God. Fourth, confess Christ openly. Stop trying to fit into the, the world's mode or mold, and, and fit into God's. Let the Spirit shape you and move you and direct you. There was this unknown Christian author that wrote this. He said, when, when I was a young man, 
I wanted to change the world. I found it was difficult to change the world, so I tried to change my nation. When I found I couldn't change the nation, I began to focus on my town. When I couldn't change the town, and as an older man, I tried to change my family. Now as an old, old man, I realized the only thing I can change is myself. And suddenly I realized that as long ago I had changed myself, I could have made an impact on my family. My family could have made an impact on our town. And there could have, uh, have changed the nation. And I could have indeed changed the world. Starts with you. Starts with you. It's not the person sitting next to you. It's, it's you. And then finally, in uh, verse 18, it says, uh, But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. So being to yield to the Spirit, to be led by the Spirit, we need to understand that, that it empowers us. The, the Holy Spirit it gives us uh, imparting, empowers us and imparting His life to us, and it sanctifies us and sets us apart for His purposes. And it transforms us by changing our character from the inside out. And so as we yield to his powerful influence in our life, his presence will begin to abound in our life. People will say there's a change in that person. They'll see it. They'll want to know what's going on in your life, what happened. And, and you know, they give this great example of, of what it means to be filled with the Spirit in Ephesians chapter 5, verse 18. And, and the word they use is, is, it says, and do not be drunk with wine, for that is debauchery, or dispensation is another word they use. But be filled with the Spirit, which means be continually filled. Be continually filled. And, and there's a contrast that's being used there, the contrast of wine, which is of the world, and, and the Spirit, uh, which is of God. And, and why does he use alcohol? Because alcohol blocks out our, our, our balance and our senses. Our judgment and reasoning. Actually, it allows some people to feel liberated. Like they get a little bit of alcohol and they feel liberated. They just do crazy stuff. But eventually, it brings us to a, a place of bondage. And we see a lot of people lose and, and uh, have their lives governed by alcohol and lose control of their lives. But it doesn't have to be alcohol. It could be something else. And Joe's going to be teaching on that next week. He's actually going to take 1 Corinthians chapter 6. He's switching it up next week because he had something put on his heart. Uh, so he's going to be diving into verses 15 through 20. And he talks about how when we have sexual immorality, how it sears the brain. It, it actually sears. And um, we're sinning against our own bodies. And, 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 you know, I think he was telling me 70% of the people that go to church, 70% of the men struggle with pornography. 70. 30% of the women. And so he's going to be teaching on that next week. But dispensation, because it talks about debauchery, right? Dispensation is wasteful living. Wasteful living. And I know there's probably some of the, the moms here or the wives that would love their sons or daughters, I mean sons or husbands or to get off the game fortnight, right? Gaming can be addictive too. 
It can be wasteful living. When it takes over your life, it can be. When you, when you come home from work and the first thing you're doing is you're on that game till 3 in the morning and you're barely making it to work the next day or you call in to work so you can continue playing the game, it's become an addictive behavior. It's become wasteful living. Now, it's, it's a sad thing, but at, at the end of the day, you know, we need to ask ourselves, what are we, what are we, are, are we filling our things with the spirit or the flesh? I'm not saying that, that playing the game is, is, is wrong. What I'm saying is too much of anything is wrong. The only thing that you can't get enough of is God. Right? And I'll close out with this. We've got three ways that we can yield to the Spirit and be led by the Spirit. In Ephesians chapter 5, verse 18 through 21, it says, Be filled with the Spirit, speaking to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart. To the Lord, giving thanks all for all things uh, to God the Father in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, submitting to one another in the fear of God. So the first way that you can be led by the Spirit is in the way that we speak to each other. In our speech. We speak to each other in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing a melody in our hearts to the Lord. So what comes out of our mouth reflects what's in our hearts. And so when we're yielded to the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit will guide our conversations. And, and the words that you give can be graceful melodies to somebody. It can be words of, of life-giving and edifying uh, words that they need to hear at that time. It can be encouraging. It can be uplifting. But at the same time, the careless remarks that are made the off-the-cuff jokes, the things that you know you weren't supposed to say, but you said them anyway, those are the things that in our speech that need to change. Lying. Even stretching the truth is another indication that we're not yielded to the Spirit. While most of us do not live deceitful lives, if we were really honest, we would have to admit that most of us do lie. Think about it. How easy is it for you to color the truth? To put yourself in a better light? To extend an exaggerated story, ask any man when he goes fishing about the size fish he catches, and, and you'll get, you know. But what we do is we, we also can uh, rationalize and embellish the truth. When we start to rationalize and lie to ourselves at some point that this behavior is justified, we're lying to ourselves. Lying to the Holy Spirit. Words are, are powerful, but they can either be built up or, or they can tear down and destroy. They can either comfort or they can cause grief. They can either inflict hope or they can uh, inflict pain. Again, see the contrast of the Spirit and the flesh. Second, our attitudes 
giving thanks always for all things to God the Father in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Do you have a thankful heart? Are you giving thanks? Do you acknowledge and you're trusting God's plans for your life? Are you grumbling and complaining about your circumstances? Because when we're, when we're doing that, we're being disobedient to God's word. We're actually uh, uh, demonstrating a lack of trust and unwillingness to yield our lives uh, fully over to his control. And there's a quick story I'll share with you. There was a king in Nigeria, uh, I think it was late 1800s, early 1900s, and he had a friend that came to know Christ, and the king ended up coming to know Christ, and uh, the friend would always tell him when they would go out on hunting uh, expeditions, he would tell him, man, he goes, man, the Lord is good, the Lord is good. And he goes, and sometimes they wouldn't get anything. And he would be, the Lord is good, man, the Lord is good. And the king was like, we didn't, we didn't shoot anything, we didn't bring anything home. And, and he would load the king's gun up. The king actually trusted him to load the gun. And uh, the king one time was out hunting, and boom, he shot the gun and shot his thumb off. The, the gun backfired. His friend, the Christian, got put in jail for hurting the king. And the guy was in jail for a year. And uh, the king was out with a hunting party. Their hunting party was taken over by another tribe. That tribe was, were cannibals. And they were going to eat the king. The thing that kept the king from being eaten was the missing thumb. Because in their culture, they felt if you were missing an appendage, it was not good meat. He goes back, he lets his friend out of jail. And his friend, is, he's, he apologizes to him, and he's like, man, I'm so sorry, I'm so sorry. And he goes, man, it's all good, God is good. And, and, and he goes, how can you say that, man? I almost got eaten. He goes, if I would have been with you, I would have been eaten. It would have happened. But do we have a thankful heart? You know, you can ask these simple questions. Do I lash out uh, at those around me when things aren't going my way? Do I come down heavy on others for their mistakes? Or am I gracious and understanding when, other, when others fall short of my expectations? Do I ever punch a wall, kick the dog, throw my phone when I'm having a bad day? And I'll read this to you. This is out of the book of Romans, chapter 1, verse 21. It says, For, they, for although they knew God, make sure you get that first part, although they knew God, they did not honor him as God or give thanks to him, but they became futile in their thinking and their foolish hearts were darkened. When we're grumbling and complaining about our lives and things that are going on, we're allowing this to happen. We're becoming futile because the flesh is winning and our hearts begin to get darkened. The third question, our relationships, are we submitting to one another in the fear of God. See, the, the, the beautiful thing is, if you go to verse 22, that's the one the husband always remember. Wife, submit to your... Right? That's the one. But they forget that if you go to verse 21, 
you're supposed to submit to one another in the fear of God. It starts with you. It starts with you. And if you're living a selfish life, selfishness will eat away and destroy every friendship. It will it will it can destroy a marriage quicker than anything. Because all you care about is yourself. And we know that we see the greatest example of that is in, in the Bible with, with uh, Abram and Lot. Their, their people were fighting over land. They didn't, there wasn't enough land, they said, for, for both of the, the uh, for them and their, their livestock there. And the people started fighting. And what did Abram do? He said, man, I want to do what is right by God. He wasn't selfish. He said, look, Lot. You go left, I'll go right. If you go right, I'll go left. Is that the way that you handle conflict? Are you always being selfish to get your way? Submit to one another in love. You know, there's a great sermon that... um, uh, they had at the royal wedding yesterday. Probably the first time they ever heard the word of God in that place, it seemed like, because it was like, man, that they didn't know what to do. There was an American preacher there, and he preached. And he taught, you know, and I know he's probably not... not every time I bring something up, I always get something about it. So, But he taught about two things. Christ crucified, God is loved. God is loved. If we just love one another... And the things that love can overcome. When we're selfish, love doesn't overcome anything. All we care about is ourselves. We're just being, that's our flesh running amok. Giving thanksgiving, speaking to one another in love. Our speech should be just a sweet aroma. Like you want to talk to that person. Man, I can't wait till I see so-and-so. Because I love talking with him. He encourages me. He shares scripture with me. He prays with me. We give thanksgiving. If we teach our kids we give thanksgiving in all things, when the Xbox breaks, they don't lose their mind. Right? Oh my God, the Wi-Fi is gone. You know, it's like, so we have to look at each other for a little bit. It's okay. This is what we used to do. Hey, let me show you something, the sun. Let me take you outside for a little bit. Let's go, let's go do something, man. Get out of the house or something, you know. Be thankful. Be thankful. Be thankful in the storm. Be thankful in the storm. That's hard to do. That is hard to do when you're in the middle of the storm. But there's a beautiful verse in in Mark where he says, Peace, be still. Find peace and be still with God. Let me encourage you with that today. And if you need a fresh one in the Holy Spirit, we're going to go ahead and pray. Y'all go ahead and come on up, man, worship team. Um, I want to read this quote real quick for you. And this is from Andrew Murray. And we talk about connecting to the power of the Holy Spirit. This sums it up in in one quote. It says, we want to get possession of the power and use it. God wants the power to get possession of us and use us.
God wants to use us. And, and maybe you're here today and, and you're like, man, I have been popping the clutch. I have been kick-starting my faith. I, am, I feel dry. We just got to pray for a fresh one in the Holy Spirit in your life, right? You know, it talks about it in Ezekiel 47 when he talks about the, the waters, the torrents of water, the living water pouring out. And it's like it hits his ankles and then his, his waist and then boom, it's over. You know, don't just dip your toes in the water and jump back out. Go swim on the deep end. That's what the Holy Spirit wants you to do. He's saying, look, I want that to flow out of you. And so let's do this. We're going to close our eyes and pray. And what I want to do is give you the opportunity. I'm not, I'm not like Joe. I'm not, if you raise your hand, I'm not going to make you come up here. Uh, because I know that hinders some of y'all sometimes. Because <laughs> I know I didn't want to run up here. <laughs> but what I do is if you need a fresh one of the Holy Spirit in your life, if you need to connect to the power of God, to the Holy Spirit, I want to give you the opportunity to do that. You can just raise your hand and we'll pray with you. And uh, if that's you today, you know, praise God. Learn from a child. Praise God. Praise God. No, that's not the Lord calling. But God is trying to speak to y'all. It's okay. Praise God. We see your hands. Amen. I'm going to pray a prayer from you that's actually from Ephesians chapter 3, verse 14 through uh, 21. And sometimes the best prayers are the ones from the Word of God. It is the best prayer because there, there's everything I need is right here in God's Word. And so that's what I want to pray for you. I'm gonna, those that had their hands up, just and those that didn't have their hands up that are, 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 are in your chairs and you're saying, man, I need, I, need, I need a change. I need the Spirit to kind of guide and direct me today and, and, and on into tomorrow. Well, let's pray. Uh, Father God, we do come before you. And just as it says in Ephesians chapter 3, verse 14, it says, For this reason, we come before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named, that according to the riches of his glory, he may grant you to be strengthened with the power through his Spirit. And I'll read that again that he may grant you to be strengthened with the power of his spirit and your inner being. Empty anything that needs to come out. That's between you and God right now. Whatever needs to go, empty it. Let the filth out of the temple. Open the doors and let God come in so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you be rooted and grounded in love, that you may have strength to comprehend with all saints what is the breadth and the length and the height and the depth and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge that you may be filled with all of the fullness of God 
And if you don't feel that at this moment, I pray that you will. I pray that if you're in a place right now where you're saying, Lord, I just need, I need you, that you would feel the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all that we ask or think, according to the power at work within us, to him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever. Amen. Father God, I do thank you, Lord, for this time. I do pray, Lord, that you would be with those that, uh, that had their hands up, Lord. That you would be with them this week, that, uh, that when they are in your word and in prayer with you, that they would be guided by the Spirit, that they would be connected to the power of the Holy Spirit. Lord, don't let us come in this place and not be changed. I pray for Joe and Sheila. Pray for his messages next week. Pray that you bring them home safely from, uh, from Austin, Lord. Keep our teachers safe, Lord, our students. Protect them. Lord, allow this church to, uh, to impact this community. That, that it starts with us, with, with one person, allowing the Holy Spirit to, to overfill our lives and, and uh, have that living water outpour into our marriages and to our families and into the, the schools and the, our jobs. And, and uh, and into this community. Let us be rooted and grounded in love, Lord. Let us be known by the love of you. We thank you and we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. If y'all need prayer for anything, uh, the pastors will be up after, after service. Thank you so much. That was Pastor Michael Petit from Calvary Divine, Texas. Remember, if you need to get more information on the church, you can do that at calvarydivine.org. God bless.